0: Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts.
1: It's Dame time. Not Damian Lillard. The real Damian. Damian Adams, host of The Real Deal with Damian Adams, co-host of the third and three podcast podcast and writer for the three-point conversion, Damian Adams, is on Locked on Wizards as we get into some players that are stepping up in the NBA playoffs, players that are underperforming, and our overall thoughts as we head into Friday's action for Game 7 between the Raptors, Celtics, and coming off the Clippers and Lakers 3-1 series lead. Plenty to get into today on Locked on Wizards. You
0: are Locked on Wizards your daily Washington Wizards podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: What's up, everyone? Welcome to another edition of Locked On Wizards. I'm your host, Renee Washington, and joining me to break down some players that are stepping up, some players that are not, and all that's going on around the NBA playoffs. We've got Damian Adams, host of The Real Deal with Damien Adams, co-host of the 3rd and 3 podcast, and a writer for the 3 Welcome, Dame. How are you?
2: I'm doing good, man. I'm so excited to be on the show. Big fan of yours. and I'm excited to talk playoffs with you.
1: I'm happy to have you here, and thank you. Thank you. I'm excited we can get into what's been going on around the playoffs. And the first thing I want to get into, players that are stepping up. Come playoff season, it's always a different ball game, especially now with the way that there's no home court advantage. Everyone's in the bubble, having four and a half months off. Some players took that time to use to their benefit, and some didn't use it as well as they could have. So we've been seeing some players that have burst, been bursting out of the bubble in the restart, and then, of course, now in the playoffs as well. So looking specifically at the playoffs, as we're getting into – you know, as of Thursday night's games after the Lakers got the win to make it a 3-1 series. Who are some players, or who's the first player, I guess, that you have been noticing is stepping up for their team and is helping their team win and, and consistently surprising you in a good way?
2: Man, the first player that comes to mind has to be Jimmy Buckets, Jimmy Butler. Mm. He's in a regular season, you know, he's averaging 20 points a game, almost seven rebounds, six assists, shooting 45% from the field, only 24% from three which is very good, great stats, one of the reasons he's going to be on the All-NBA, one of the All-NBA teams. But in the playoffs, he stepped it up to 22 points per game, shooting 47% from the field, 50% from three. The fact that he went from 24% to 50% from three is nuts. And it just shows you how he has that mentality in the playoffs that now it's my time to show up. Now it's my time to really carry this squad and show what I can be as a leader. And why they're going to the Eastern Conference Finals is a big part of Jimmy Butler.
1: That's a great one to start off with. And honestly, looking at the way the Miami Heat have been playing, especially in the playoffs, I didn't expect them to sweep the Pacers. I thought that series was going to be more – I mean, it was evenly matched. The games were not – you know, they were not a blowout or anything. They were all very close. But, you know, they were – it was a sweep. So I was not expecting that. And then I wasn't expecting them to beat Milwaukee in five. You know, and after the first two games, I was like, whoa. It was very convincing that I was starting to believe that, wait a minute, this this group is, is something else. And I know that there have been a lot of discussion around the fact that Pat Riley in the playoffs and Eric Spolstra, you know, their history in the playoffs. And then you have a player like Jimmy Butler who's out to prove something and looking at what the Heat have around him, this team is is something else. I mean, Goran Dragic and having Tyler Hero, um, Jay Crowder, Bam, out of bio. Just the pieces that are there, this team is something else. But it starts with Jimmy Butler. You know, the 40 point games he's having and the performances he's having, this team is going based on his lead. And so to see the way that they've been dominant against two very good teams to sweep the Pacers and nearly sweep the Bucks, whoo, yeah. Jimmy Butler's been fun to watch, and the Heat have been fun to watch. And honestly, for Sixers fans, ouch. Uh, to see him go right to Miami and show out and be someone that is leading his team to now be in the Eastern Conference Finals. Definitely a good one to start with. Were you expecting the Heat to be able to take the Bucs in five the way they did?
2: No, not at all. I definitely thought that the Bucs had to be worried about the Heat, but I didn't think that they had to be just outright scared, (laughs) and that's how they should have went to that series, just outright scared of the Heat. Uh, I picked the Bucs in seven going in. And part of me wanted to pick the Heat, and I punked out. And I was like, I'm going to go with the Bucs. They're the one seed. They've been the best team all year. They have the MVP. They have you know, one of the best coaches in the league. They're going to figure this out, and they were not able to. And you mentioned all the pieces that the Heat have. Goran Dragic is also on my list of players who have stepped it up. When you look at his numbers from the regular season, he was giving you 16 points a game. He stepped it up to 21,
0: mm-hmm. shooting
2: from three stepped up to 38%. So he's been a huge part of their success as well, because they can run the offense through him. They can run it through Jimmy. They have someone like a Tyler Hero who can get you clutch buckets. He's not scared at all. You mentioned Bam Adebayo, who's just the ultimate role player, right? And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, because he's somebody who has star talent, but his role in his team is to be the utility guy. He's gonna get you the rebounds. He's gonna hit the mid range jumpers. He's gonna set the good screens. He's going to be the guy who can slow down Giannis just a tad bit so everybody can catch up and build that wall that we've all heard about when you can stop Giannis. They have so many great pieces there. You mentioned Jay Crowder, Andre Iguodala. So many veteran pieces to go along with the young pieces like Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson that just mesh well together with the great coaching of Eric Spoelstra. This team is a real threat for the championship, like not just Eastern Conference, but real threat to the Clippers, Lakers as well.
1: Yeah, when you talk about having a team that has size, depth, versatility, good coaching, and they play with just an up tempo. Kind of um, underdog mentality. Even though the, the crazy thing is, at number four, they were never an underdog. But I still feel like people didn't put enough respect on them and in, in giving them a chance to be a team that's able to come out of the East. So I feel like they're out with something to prove, with a little chip on their shoulder. And you see it in the way that they play. They have their whether it's players on their bench, even someone like Udonis Haslam, Every single player is is invested, is is into it, is cheering each other on. You know, there's just something different about this group that. You know, you noticed it, and I actually said, "Watch out for Miami coming back into the restart," because I felt like they were trending in the right direction before the NBA shut down around COVID. But I wasn't even expecting all this. You know, I thought they were com- going to come back and make some noise, and like you said, even like taking the series to seven against the Bucks, I was not anticipating them to come back and be nine and one heading into the Eastern Conference uh, Finals after two series at all. Again, you're it's two very good teams that they match up really well with that. For Milwaukee, especially coming in with the best record, you anticipated to be able to get at least two or three wins, not one. So to see their ability to shut down some, you know, some of the best players in the league right now, and Giannis, and a Pacers team that was very well run, and, and honestly could have given them a, a better series at least on paper from the beginning, I thought it's it's an impressive group to watch, and I think you're right that they have something. They have something to prove, and they definitely have a lot of the pieces that make them a champion, a true championship contender. And I like that you mentioned Goran Dragic because he has been someone that's been adding his versatility and his range, brings something to this offense that they need. And when you have all, every, everybody's clicking, whether it's getting in the basket, knocking down shots, the Heat are just finding ways to be a top team right now. So who's another player that you've been keeping an eye on that's been stepping up in these big moments on the biggest stage right now in the playoffs?
2: gotta go to Toronto and Kyle Lowry. Yeah, you think about wow. Kyle Lowry, um, his numbers haven't really gone up since the regular season, but he does everything so well. And I've never seen a player on the floor more than Kyle Lowry, and it just, it shows you how much effort he puts into the game, right? He's constantly on the floor because he's always trying to take a charge, trying to draw a foul on the offensive end. And it could be a little annoying, the flopping, the flailing around, but it also adds to the intensity of the team. You can see that the team feeds off of Kyle Lowry at the end of the last game, double overtime, you go to Kyle Lowry against Kimball Walker. And he hits an amazing fadeaway shot to ice that game. He's somebody who you need to have on your team. You need to have a him. You need to have a Marcus Smart. Those type of guys who are just willing to do anything to win. Kyle Lowry definitely just has everything for you. And he's been able to, pick it up for other players who are, we're going to get to later on Toronto who haven't been performing well. Mm. So he's been able to come into that spot and really perform well and just carry that squad and the points where they needed it when other players weren't there.
1: Yeah. I mean, Kyle Lowry takes a term, leaving it all on the floor to a whole new level. I mean, you hit it right yes. on the head. in the fact that he's 34 years old, he's holding nothing back. You, you see, he, he plays with the understanding of every moment, counts and make it your as if you were, it were your last because in the 53 minutes he played in game 6 33 points but it wasn't even just about the points and I was even saying this in our Thursday show it was not about the points it was about everything else he was doing too you know he is someone that raises the tempo of his teammates because of the fact that he's arguing every call he's trying to get his body do whatever he can to slow down his opponent using his body whether it's flailing drawing charges whatever it takes to help get a call and help his team win. And even that play in the last, you know, I I talked about this before, but 0.5 seconds left, head coach Nick Nurse calls timeout, and Kyle Lowry's the first one that's, no, 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 let's go, come on. Like, he's not shutting off at all. He's locked in, he's focused from start to finish, and he really is the reason why the Raptors are headed to Game 7 versus the Celtics, especially with players, and I know you're going to get into them in our next segment that are not stepping up. But I think that for him, when you look at players like OG and Ananobi and Norman Powell, what they've been bringing to the Raptors, I'd have to think a big part of that is because of Kyle Lowry. He gives you that confidence that you feel like, you know what? We are a championship team. We can play with anybody and we can prove that without Kawhi Leonard, we are still a championship caliber team. And I think the biggest reason because of that is him. So although he does definitely get on my nerves with the flopping at times because it gets old quick. But, you know, it's just great to see the passion he plays with and how he literally has so much heart. He leaves it all on the floor. So who's one more player that you have that has been stepping up and showing out in the playoffs?
2: I have to go with Jason Tatum. I gonna stay in that series. He's been balling out in the playoffs. Regular season, he stepped up this year, giving you 23.4 points per game, seven rebounds, only three assists, but he's shooting 45% from the field, 40% from three. Playoffs, he stepped up to 25 points per game, 10 rebounds per game, which is something that I think has been really under the radar for him. So he stepped up on the the boards there, giving you four assists, shooting 45% from the field and 40% from three. So he's been able to stay efficient while also carrying more of a load. That's something that's very hard to do that a lot of players are not able to do when it comes to becoming the main guy. Usually once they become the main guy, their efficiency goes down because now they're carrying more of a load. He's been able to stay efficient and also carry that load for the team. And you have players like Kimball Walker who have struggled a little bit while Jason Tatum has been able to carry the load for them and make sure that we don't have the spotlight on someone like Kimball Walker who may be dealing with a knee injury because he's been able to step up. So I have to give big ups to Jason Tatum.
1: Yeah, Jason Tatum's really coming into his own. He has the make and all the talent and potential to be someone that, two, three years from now, and and honestly, even sooner as he's doing it right now already, is in is in the category of one of the top players in the league. I mean, you look at what he does for the Celtics, and the Raptors played a box and one focused on Kemba in Game Six, but I I mean, it worked. They won, but I mean, you can't dismiss the fact that Jason Tatum really is is the the anchor of this team as well. You know, for all that Kemba Walker brings, it really does heavily fall on Jason Tatum because he is. I mean, some of the shots he's knocking down, the passes he's making, they were like back to back plays in the fourth quarter down the stretch where he was a part of a, the Celtics knockdown, I think it was four threes in a row. And he was involved with all of them. He scored he scored one or two of them, he got an assist on one or two. It was just incredible. I mean, he his movement, his size, when he's attacking the room, he draws so much attention that when he's now able to kick it out to Marcus Smart or Jalen Brown or Kemba Walker, whoever, it's a problem and you have to key in on him. So I think watching his growth and to me, it's been more of a mental growth if anything of him, just having that belief and confidence in himself. And you see it when he's shooting, there's no hesitating. It's very smooth. He plays with a lot more uh, fluidity than he did before, because you can see him really stepping into his own. So for the Celtics, I mean, I still see them as a team that, could and, sh- and has all the potential to come out of the East, you know, if they're able to get past the Raptors in game seven, but I think it is in a big part because of Jason Tatum. So there are definitely other names. I know you mentioned Marcus Smart. There are other names across the league of players that in the playoffs right now are a big reason why their team is doing so well. But then there are some players that are not helping their team out and crunch moments, clutch moments. They're not really showing up. So coming up here on Locked on Wizards, we'll be getting into those players that need to step up but just have not been doing so who else gets annoyed every day come lunch or dinner time wondering what am i going to eat you don't feel like cooking you've got a million emails to read you've been busy with work and swamped and you have so much going on and your stomach's growling and you don't know what to eat well let doordash take care of your next meal if you want chinese food pizza froyo anything you have taste for you can order it through doordash continue supporting restaurants in your community safely And there are thousands that are open for delivery on DoorDash that you can now call, order, and now let them do the work for you. Support your favorite restaurants on DoorDash. You've counted on them, and now they're counting on you. So while their dining rooms may be closed, and maybe you don't really feel comfortable going out to get food, or you just don't feel like getting off your couch and changing out of your pajamas, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. So DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right now. Right to your door. Ordering's easy. Just open up the app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely right outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop off setting. So, with over 300,000 partners in the US, Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go tos. Anything from restaurants, Chipotle, Wendy's, Cheesecake Factory, you name it, they're on DoorDash delivering contactless to your front door. So call right now and anyone that's listening can get $5 off zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKEDONNBA. So don't forget that's code LOCKEDONNBA for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On
0: NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama.
1: Renee Washington here on Locked on Wizards as we've got the host of The Real Deal with Damian Adams, co-host of the 3rd and 3 podcast, and a writer for the 3-point conversion. It is Dame time, the real Damian Adams, that is. (laughs) And you are here with us on Locked on Wizards. Now, we got a chance to talk about players that have been stepping up across the league. Jason Tatum, um, you mentioned Kyle Lowry, you mentioned Jimmy Bucket. There are some players that have been underperforming, to say the least. And uh, we historically deem players and and give them this term of playoff playoff version. The playoff version for most players is good. But for some people, their playoff version is consistently not good. And I'm sure we're going to agree on some of these. But who is the first person that in the playoffs so far, you have been disappointed in how they've been performing?
2: So the first player that I want to talk about is someone who could fit on both sides. He was impressive in one series. And in the next series, has not been as impressive. I'm talking about Jamal Murray for the Nuggets. In the first series against the Jazz, he was phenomenal. I was in my house losing my mind as he was coming down, hitting threes, doing 360 layups, just doing it all against the Utah Jazz in that great series. And in that series, he averaged 31 points per game, five rebounds, six assists, shot 53% from the field and 55% from three. Like, absolutely nuts on fire. You don't expect him to keep up that rate. Like that's an impossible rate to keep up, but his fall off in his series against the Clippers is not expected. He's only averaging 17.8 points per game, seven assists. So he's still distributing the ball pretty well, but he's fallen down in efficiency quite drastically. 38% from the floor, 34% from three. And when you compare it to what he did against the Utah jazz, it's definitely disappointing to see how how far Jamal Murray has fallen in this second round. Of course, you got to give credit to the Clippers and their defense. Patrick Beverly, Kawhi Leonard, even Landry Shamet giving him issues, Paul George, of course. So they have a lot of perimeter defenders to throw at Murray. But as somebody who was trying to show us that he's a superstar in the first round, has really fallen short in the second round.
1: Mm, that's a good one. That's a good one because, you know what, I think this series against the Clippers is the ultimate test. Denver, Denver and Utah, for as great as that series was going – the whole seven and that, you know, the 50 point performances we saw from him and Donovan Mitchell, the back and forth. We're getting all the storylines about how they played against each other in high school and all the storylines were there, but it was Utah. It's no knock on Utah. Very good team. Don't get me wrong, but they're not the Clippers. So this is a time where you're playing one of the best teams in the league, a team that many have predicted to win it all, that has the potential to win it all. And in this moment, where are you? So, you know, I, I know that Nikola Jokic has been dealing with an injury and you can have all the excuses there. But at the end of the day, when you step between the lines, it's time to put up or shut up. And I think that, as you're mentioning, I wasn't even thinking of Jamal Murray, to be honest. But it's just been a big switch. And it's not even just his numbers that have changed, but just his play, he's not as effective. And I understand they're defending him much better. And that's something even Charles Barkley was saying, like, you got to defend him. You can't allow him, he, once he's, he's, he's got the hot hand, He's the only one killing you in that Utah series. If you're Utah, you have to you have to find someone to put on him, and they put Donovan Mitchell on him finally. But how long? Look how long it took. Whereas the Clippers from game one have not been messing around. So it's a different look he's getting defensively um, or on the offensive end for Murray. But still, if you're going to be in the conversation of being an elite player, this is the a stage you have to shine on. And he's not performing nearly like he was against the Jazz. But more importantly, just at a level that he's showing he's he's there right now. You know, it seems like he's kind of being knocked down a couple pegs and uh, his his youth is showing and his inexperience in that sense. So that's a good one. I was not expecting that at all. But who else do you have?
2: So I'm going to stay in that series with somebody who's been oh very Oh, boy. <laughs> Got to go with my man Paul George, a.k.a. Playoff P. Uh, so regular season, 21 points per game giving you six rebounds, shooting 44% from the field, 41% from three, which is a big part of his game. In the playoffs, he's down to 19 points per game, six rebounds, shooting 40% from the field, only 33% from three. And with him, it's the up and down, right? Because you'll have two games where you see Paul George and you'll see 30 points, 10 rebounds, five assists, playing great defense. And then the next game, you'll see him getting three fouls in the first quarter or he'll get the third foul with like seven minutes left in the second quarter. Next thing you know, he's got the fourth foul in the first minute of the fourth quarter, or the third quarter, excuse me. And that foul trouble has just hindered him in some of these games. And also some games where he's not in foul trouble and he's just out there. He seems like he's just not effective. He gets into his own head. That's something that he's talked about as far as dealing with anxiety. But it's been something that he's talked a big game, right? Like when it was going the whole thing with Dame, In the Clippers during the seeding games where, you know, Dame had something to say after they laughed at him and Paul George responded back. Paul George took a little shot at James Harden, said, I'm not a James Harden type guy. I can affect the game in other ways. And you can't be taking shots like this and then say, Well, I'm being affected by the bubble life. Nah, you gotta talk that big game on both ends. If you don't play well, you just gotta man up to it and say, Hey, I'm not playing well. You can't, you know, hide behind other things at that point. So that's why I've been disappointed in Paul George, but you can see his ability in certain games, the capability that he does have. So just the inconsistency with Paul George why I had to put him on this list.
1: I am so glad you brought that up and brought up the fact that you literally put a target on your back, Paul George, when you decided to speak up and, and have these beefs with other players like Damian Lillard, who you can't even talk against because he did what he was supposed to do. So you put a target on your back and then dropped the ball and have disappeared at times. I mean, he's the number two on the Clippers. There's no reason why Paul George should not be having better, more consistent numbers each game. It's playoff time. You know, at this point, there's, there's, there are no excuses. Now, as you mentioned, he, didn't, he has talked about dealing with anxiety and, and other things. Okay, but then don't turn around and run your mouth. If you know you get anxious and you know you're dealing with some, some mental struggles when it comes to the playoffs, why are you also talking trash against other players? James Harden and Damian Lillard, of all people, you should not be talking trash against. And I do think playoff P is not a good playoff P. And he's developed a bad mantra around it. And looking at him, there's a couple others, even James Harden, as you mentioned, who really, in my opinion, do not consistently perform and don't consistently bring the level that they should as a top player in the league. I mean, there's no excuse. At the end of the day, when the lights are on and it's playoff time, we're expecting you to be the one to step up. Kawhi Leonard's been doing it. I think the Clippers as a whole to me are very inconsistent because you do have, uh, and I was just talking about this, and I will openly say this, and I'm okay with this, for as great of a coach as Doc is and as great of a player Kawhi is, in between there, you don't ever know what you're going to get. Patrick Beverly might be be getting ejected, might be getting technicals, might be injured, might be playing. You have no idea. Playoff P, no idea. You know, you look at uh, Montrezl Harrell, Lou Williams. You just don't always know what you're going to get from the Clippers. But it starts with Paul George, in my opinion, as the most inconsistent because he has the most talent, which makes him disappointing to watch when he's just not – he's not there. Yeah, that's – That's—he's definitely right now I think is – might be leading that bandwagon, him along with one or two others, of struggling in the playoffs. Who's someone else that you've been noticing is just not doing well?
2: So we mentioned playoff P. Gotta go over to another P.
1: Ah, uh, Pascal, I knew it. <laughs>
2: spicy
1: Pascal Siakam.
2: Yeah, <laughs> Pascal Siakam a.k.a. a spicy P. Has been anything but spicy in the playoffs. You could say that he's bland P. You know, he's not playing with any type of flavor, right? <laughs> I like <that>. I like <laughs> any that. type of flavor right now. Uh, missing all the seasoning right now. So in the regular season, he's giving you 23 points per game, seven rebound, was shooting 45% from the floor, 36% from three. So you're shooting the ball with confidence. Mm-hmm. Driving the ball to the goal. Playoffs, he's only giving you 17 points per game. That's a drastic drop. You always hear um, Shaq and Charles Barkley talk about how in the playoffs, the number one guy has to step up and give you four or five more points per game, not go down six or seven points. That's what we've seen from Pascal Siakam. He's only shooting 39% from the floor, 19% from three. That's just (laughs) inexcusable because now when we see that you are thinking about this three-point shot, you no longer want to take it. I could defend you differently. Oh, he doesn't want to take that shot. Just leave him out there. He's self-checked, as we will say in pickup games. Go ahead, leave him out there. He's self-checked. He don't want to shoot that shot. So now you're making it tougher on your teammates because the fact that you can't shoot when you normally can, now I have somebody who's shading over a little further on the Fred Van Vliet drive or the Kyle Lowry drive or the Marcus post-up. All those things are being affected by the fact that Pascal Siakam, who's your top scorer in the regular season, has taken this drastic fall right and now with Toronto one of the reasons I didn't pick Toronto to go back to the finals is that I didn't believe in Pascal Siakam as a number one guy and unfortunately he has proved me right in that aspect even though they might still make the Eastern Conference Finals it's definitely not because of Spicy P aka Bland P
1: him and Paul George are driving that bus the P's <laughs> The playoff peas are not good. And honestly, Pascal Siakam, it was, it was almost painful to watch. And I know I tweeted this out, and I have no problem saying it. Down the stretch, the Raptors need to stop passing him the ball. He had some very good looks. He had a really nice drive to the basket. I think it was in the first overtime, at the end of the first overtime, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly. And it was a great look. It just rolled in and rolled out. He just couldn't, he, he couldn't score. And when you notice someone is struggling like that, first of all, become something mental. He's now missing shots like layups. He's not even just missing shots from, from distance and from the perimeter. He's missing layups. He's missing good drives. He's, he's then forcing shots. I saw him take a couple shots that just weren't really good shooting selection options. You know, you have to find another way to get him going. Now he was, in my opinion, trying to still find a way to impact the game in other ways, you know, getting rebounds and on the boards and, he does at times, though, get fouls that I think are, are silly fouls and, and not the smartest plays. So overall, if the Raptors do well, as you mentioned, it's, it's not because of Spicy P. It's Kyle Lowry. It's Fred Van Vliet. It's Ojo Nonobi. It's, it's, it's Norman Powell. It's not Spicy P, unfortunately. And I hope he can get it together for Game 7. I think at this point it's become something mental And that's something that playoff P with Paul George is also dealing with. Like when you start seeing game after game, you can't get it going and you're struggling and you're not making the same shots you normally knock down. It starts to weigh on you mentally. And then you start to build this, you know, subconscious, I guess, uh, hesitation and just second guessing yourself. So they're going to have to realize when he's not scoring, as he hasn't been scoring in the bubble and he's been struggling in the bubble as a whole, it's not even just playoffs. Stop feeding him the ball. He should be almost a decoy. He's just in there to get rebounds and and pfft, I don't know. But stop stop giving him the ball. Clutch moments, the ball needs to be in Kyle Lowry's hands or Fred VanVleet. But that was my biggest issue with the Raptors as a whole. Is I just felt like they're with their season on the line and at a must-win game. Some of their final game selection uh, and shots didn't really make sense to me. Norman Powell was one. For as great as he was, that three-pointer at the end of the first overtime wasn't it. And oh then Pascal Siakam, yes. like three, four <laughs> plays back to back, had the ball at the end of regulation. Come on, you gotta be smarter than that. You gotta know your personnel.
2: Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up. I was at the house, like, really, this is the play yeah, for that's not for- the look. <laughs> not <laughs> We're gonna for your go
1: season a game winning shot for your season. Nah.
2: <laughs> We're gonna go top ISO Norman Powell for the for the season. I was like, wow.
1: <laughs> and not even a good look like a drive or anything. He really just stood up top took did a sidestep for three I mean come on you got to have something better than that
2: yeah no, exactly I was at home like this yeah this can't be and maybe because it was tied they felt more comfortable doing that but yeah it's not it's not something you should do Norman Powell is a very good player like you mentioned a very good role player who stepped up he's somebody who finishes the play he's not the one who creates the play exactly. and yeah, yeah this was shocking for me
1: yeah definitely definitely who's one more player that you have that is someone that is not stepping up and has been struggling.
2: So I'm going to do a combination of two. I'm going to do a combination of two for this one for the Bucs. Got to go with Giannis Antetokounmpo and Eric Bledsoe. So with Giannis Antetokounmpo, regular season, even the first round looked tremendous, right? Giving you those MVP numbers, 30 points.
1: Against the Magic, of course.
2: Yeah, of course against the magic (laughs) and you know, six assists. But then when you get to that second round against Miami Heat, he's only giving you twenty-two points per game, eleven rebounds, five assists. His efficiency goes down in a massive way. He went from shooting 63% from the free throw line to 53%. That's mental. Like they Miami has nothing to do with you at the free throw line. That's all mental. That's them getting into your head. That's the criticism getting into your head now that you are now no longer making free throws at the same rate. The three-point shot, it was never great, at least in the regular season, people had to respect it at 30%. It went down to 21% against Miami. Um, In the regular season, shooting 55% from the field went down to 51%. And his game, as great as it is, can be one-dimensional at times, right? When he's not getting that hit of steam on the fast break, he's not able to do his, you know, just ginormous Euro step or the Mm -hmm. crazy spin move that he's able to do. Once that wall is built, And now he has to go to a secondary move, a pull-up dribble, or a crossover, or something of that nature, where you see Kawhi and LeBron, you know, Kevin Durant when he's healthy. Those guys thrive in those situations because they're able to get their shot. They're comfortable in the mid-range. They're comfortable from three. Giannis still doesn't have that. And because the help wasn't as big as it was in the past, you see them get knocked out in five. Of course, you know, Giannis got hurt, but Even before he got hurt, he had these struggles. And Eric Bledsoe is part of that help that wasn't there. So Eric Bledsoe, during the regular season, giving you 15 points a game, five assists, shooting 47% from the field, 34% from three. Against Miami, only giving you 12 points, giving you a good rebound percentage there, but only shooting 33% from the field, 21% from three. And when you are one of the players that's on the side of Giannis Antetokounmpo, you have to be able to knock down the three. You have to be able to knock down the three. And I think that honestly, the Bucks lost this series last year when they decided to pick Eric Bledsoe over Malcolm Brogdon.
1: Not last year.
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when they when they decided to pick Eric Bledsoe over Malcolm Brogdon, gave Bledsoe the big extension and let Brogdon go. I understand Brogdon has some injury issues, but now it looks very healthy in Indiana and will be one of the main players going forward for that team. Eric Bledsoe is not able to provide that for you. He's a very good defender, great defender mm-hmm. Bledsoe is, great athlete. But when it comes down to those press situations on offense, you can't trust him. That's why you see George Hill in the game a lot of times when it comes down to those situations, because Bledsoe can't be trusted to make a shot and sometimes can't be trusted to make the right decision. So I think Malcolm Brogdon, if he was in that position, the Bucks would be a lot better.
1: Ooh. Hoo, hoo, hoo. I like that because I agree. I was very shocked by the decision last year and I didn't think it made sense because the Bucks last year had the same issue the Bucs had this year where they needed another piece. So to move one, what does that, what does that solve? You know, and this, this group was no better. And I thought they were going to maybe bring someone else in and there was going to be something that made more sense, but No. And I definitely agree with you in that Giannis, although he did get hurt in game four, and you know, when he went out, actually, that's what probably kept them from getting swept anyways, because the team was closing out the game for him. It just didn't seem like, and I, and I haven't felt this, and, and no knock on Giannis. Everyone's quick to say, you know, Giannis is the, the new king on the block, and he's the best player in the league because the Bucks had the best regular season record. It doesn't matter if come playoff time, the Bucs are at home. If Giannis is at home, if you're the best player, your team should be in the championship or at least, you know, conference finals, making it to the NBA. If, you know, if not the NBA finals, the conference finals. What have the Bucs done the last three years in the playoffs? The, the same exact thing. Eastern Conference semifinals, they're headed home. And I just think that for, or the or the Eastern Conference finals, but either way, they've underperformed. And Giannis, to me, has to figure out how to add another element to his game because he is, unfortunately, very easy to defend. And I say this in the most respectful way possible to the Bucs. They're a very good team, but their game is so predictable. Before the game even starts, you know what offense they're running. You know what looks they're going to get. You know exactly how they're going to play. There's no no surprise. There's no versatility. You know what you're going to get from each player every single game. And that consistency helps them in the regular season but it kills them in the playoffs when you now have to win a best-of-seven series. So the Bucks have to make some moves. They've, they've, they, to me, are the team that them, the Rockets, who are down, down 3-1, some of these teams that are continuously hitting the same wall come postseason time, they need to figure it out. Otherwise, there's going to be some major changes going on because you're, the GMs, the, the front office is only going to go so long with having a team underperform come postseason time. So I, I, I want to get more into the playoffs and what's going on. And I'm glad we had, a break, got, had the chance to break down some players. Now let's shift into talking about some teams. So coming up, we'll recap what's been going on around the NBA playoffs in the conference semifinal matchups. Let me tell you guys about the delicious treat that's going to allow you to snack healthy. That's right. You can do both. If you know me, you know I have a sweet tooth. I enjoy cupcakes, cookies, brownies, all the sweets. And Built Bar actually has delicious flavors. Let me just run down some of my favorites. Cookies and cream, double chocolate, mint brownie, salted Caramel, yes, caramel, not caramel, and peanut butter brownie. Delicious. All bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew, and they're healthy, so it's great. If you are on a keto diet or working to lose or maintain weight, you can do all that while snacking on a delicious treat. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and I definitely recommend Built Bar. So if you head over to builtbar.com and use the promo code On, you'll get $10 off your next order. Now you can save money, eat healthy, and eat delicious. Doesn't it get any better than that. So go ahead on over to buildbar.com to try the best tasting protein bars. And I can guarantee you, from me to you, you will not regret it.
0: The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league,
1: We are talking NBA playoffs here on Locked on Wizards, and I've got Damian Adams on the show with me as we've been breaking down what's going on around the league, specifically looking at players, players that are stepping up, players that are not stepping up. And so the host of The Real Deal with Damian Adams, co-host of the 3rd and 3 podcast and writer for the 3-Point Conversion has been breaking it down with me. Well, Dame, it's time to get into what's going on in the conference semifinals. Of course, the Heat have already punched their tickets the Eastern Conference Finals waiting to see who they will play against as we have a game seven between Boston and Toronto looking at that game seven matchup how much did this hurt Boston or or at all for them not to close out in game six
2: I don't think I don't think it will hurt them I think that they will close it out in seven I believe they are the better team we mentioned how Spicy P has not been playing spicy at all I think that eventually that comes to hurt Toronto and that eventually will be in game seven against Boston. I think that Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown has been another player that you can put into that stepping up category
1: Mm -hmm. on Marcus
2: Smart. So they've been able to really get around the loss of Gordon Hayward with their wonderful play. Uh, And I think that they'll be able to win game seven because they've, they just have the versatility that Toronto doesn't have. Like if Kyle Lowry has an off game or Fred Van Vliet has an off game, it's really hard for them to score. We've seen that in a couple games in this series where once one of those players is off, they lose by a lot. And they don't have that room for error that Boston has. Boston can have an off game from a Kimball Walker and still be able to depend on Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. Marcus Smart even came through big one game and hit five threes in the fourth quarter. So they have players who can step up in so many different ways. I feel like Toronto, they're going to be in the game because their defense is so great. But you only could defend great for so long against these great offensive players. They're going mm-hmm. to score. And if you don't have that scoring punch from your number one guy or what's supposed to be your number one guy in Pascal Siakam, in a game seven against a talented team like Boston, I think that Toronto falls short in that one.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, as you mentioned, looking at Boston, it just would have been beneficial for them to close out to have another day of rest. You know, now you have... Friday night's game against the Raptors, it's another, another, you know, a game seven in general is always going to be, for the most part, intense, especially with these two teams. And so, you know, it would have just been another opportunity to have some days to rest where you have now Miami, who coming off of a five-game series is just sitting back, relaxing, icing, you know, and preparing for whoever they're going to play next. But for the Celtics, I agree. I do think that they just have too many pieces. And that's why, in my opinion, they are a team that is – built to come out of the east looking at their their versatility look at da- Jalen Brown started the game off so his first half alone the performance he had helped put the, the Celtics up and then he kind of teetered off he was still doing well don't get me wrong then you had Jason Tatum who kind of took over the load and Marcus Smart you know they have the players there that on you know when you look across the board they can drop 20 30 points in a game and that you know that the team is fine Jason Tatum was struggling in the first half a little bit more, but because Jalen Brown was taking the load, the Celtics were still in it. And those three finished the game as leading scorers, of course, for the Celtics, but it's just about the pieces they have there for anybody to really be able to lead, knock down big shots, and the Raptors just don't have that, as we were talking about earlier. But for that series, I'm excited to at least see that game seven. It's always good to have a game seven, and we'll see that tip off Friday night. And then the Lakers did go up 3-1, and the Celtics are up 3-1. So in the West, we've got two 3-1 series. The Lakers going up 3-1 against the Rockets, probably more pivotal than and surprising than the Clippers' Nuggets series because, again, as we were talking about earlier around Jamal Murray, the Clippers are, are a better team, a more experienced team. You expect them to close the series out a little faster. But for the Rockets, how disappointing to go down 3-1 when you had a chance to tie this series up.
2: Yeah, no, it's definitely disappointing. Game two is going to be a game that they look back at, like, man, we could have had that game. We rallied back in this one. We're up in the fourth quarter, and somehow let it slip. Uh, Russell Westbrook, he said it himself. He's just running around out there. I don't know what's going on Russell Westbrook, why he's so confused, but he he just definitely cannot just figure out what's going on Mm -hmm. with the Lakers' defense, and, you know, you want him to play his game. But when he goes in there recklessly and he's trying to force the layup instead of just taking the mid-range or, you know, he's having times now where they're daring him to shoot the three and he's going to take it and go one for seven. But Russell Westbrook, he has to play his best without thinking about it. Now that he's thinking about it, you can see his wills turning. And once you see his wills turning, he's done. Because now he's making turnovers. He's going into the lane, passing the last second. And when you have players that are as long as Anthony Davis, as athletic as LeBron James and Kyle Kuzma. Those guys are going to get in those passing lanes when you decide to make those bad decisions and you see Russell Westbrook struggling. Um, they're taking about James Harden's hands by doubling early. And if you have a player of Russell Westbrook's caliber, a former MVP, you shouldn't be able to double one guy and leave him open, right? You shouldn't be able to double James Harden and have Russell Westbrook as the guy to say, we're going to double off of him to create this strength on our defense so Russell Westbrook definitely should take I wouldn't say the brunt up the blame but he definitely should fill a huge portion of it because he doesn't go with the flow of that team when you think about that team of shooting threes shooting free throws layups he's the difference in there right and Chris Paul was the difference in that last year a big mid-range guy but he was more efficient at it so if you're extremely efficient at the mid-range you can still work in that system, especially if you can shoot three as well. Russell Westbrook, he's not as efficient in the mid-range, and he can't shoot three at all. So that really messes up their flow when James Harden isn't able to go off or you don't have Eric Gordon step up. And let's not even get into the Daniel House situation.
1: Oh, (laughs) Oh, my. I know. I've been tiptoeing around it because it's just foolishness, and I can't believe the words I have for Daniel House cannot be said on a show. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> i will not do that to myself by bad talking this man the way i want to and the way he deserves to be bad talked but yes we won't even get into that foolishness and the, the stupidity of the fact he is missing playoff games because of what a woman some what come on now I'm, that's all i'm gonna say but come on now come on man Ugh, all right go ahead continue
2: Yeah, so, yes, that's an important player as well. That's missing games because, like you said, because of that. And he's somebody who can shoot a three, can drive to the goal that you're missing. Um, Austin Rivers hasn't been effective either. He's somebody who normally can come off the bench and score points for you. We've seen him perform well in playoff games, even in his Clippers days when Chris Paul got injured. We've seen Austin Rivers come out, and there's the famous picture of him that game where he got busted across the face, had all the stitches in the black eye, and still scored 25 points that game. So he's had moments in the playoffs, and I don't know if it's this series or it's just his lack of opportunities, but he hasn't been able to perform well in this series at all for the Rockets. So they have a lot of players who could have been on that underperforming list as well. And the Lakers are just a bad matchup. Once the Lakers made a decision to stop playing their bigs, to let Mm -hmm. JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard rest (laughs) until next round, that's when you saw the turn of the key. And that, you know, LeBron James and those guys are going to be able to take charge. So I expect them to finish off this series pretty soon in five, six at the max.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. The Lakers just are a bad matchup for them because they don't have in their small bond lineup that they've decided to go with and getting rid of Clint Capella. They don't have the ability to match up in, in the paint with or just in general with players like Anthony Davis and LeBron James. And although they've been having the best defense in the playoffs, they're they're getting exposed. And I think the the Rockets as a whole, in my opinion, are underperforming. Now I know they're playing a great team in the Lakers, but I still think they are a team that is frustrating to watch. And James Harden and Russell Westbrook, of course, you can say he's coming off of a quad injury. He missed a lot of games. He's still trying to figure it out. But Russell Westbrook is someone that's also getting a, always gets a bad rap because in the playoffs he tends to be his team strength and Achilles heel for as much as he helps you. He hurts you for every basket. He's thrown a turnover. And I I like his game, but Russell Westbrook is struggling. He's really struggling. And the Rockets, I agree. I think they're done. You know, I actually think game three was also a big one for them because it would have been a chance to take the two one lead when going down 2 one. I just felt like the Lakers kind of had the taste of blood. They were, they weren't satisfied and they want, they, you could see they were hungrier to make this a three, one series and the Rockets, didn't adjust and they don't they don't even have a way to adjust because they're limited so I think right now we're seeing in the west the Lakers Clippers matchup that we all have been waiting for is about to happen and then we're going to get the heat and whoever comes out of the, the Raptors Celtics that is much more open of course with it being a game seven but who do you have meeting in the NBA finals is my final question to you
2: Oh, man. So I have to reset my pick because originally I had the Clippers versus Bucks.
1: Oh, wow. (laughs) Okay.
2: Yeah. So I have to reset my pick now. So I'm going to stick with the Clippers coming out of the Western Conference. Uh And I'm really feeling the Miami Heat. I am really feeling the Miami Heat. So I'm going to go Clippers Heat in the NBA Finals. Clippers winning that series in six.
1: Interesting. Very interesting. I've got Lakers Celtics. So a little different
0: <laughs> to say the least, <laughs> but, but yeah, that definitely say, shows. you know,
1: I'm a LeBron James fan. So I'm going with rocking with the Lakers on that one, but I definitely could see the heat knocking off the Celtics. That's going to be fun to watch for both of those series on the East and Western conference finals. Well, Dame, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate you coming on the show to weigh in on not only the NBA playoffs, but players and, and their performances. Where can people follow you to keep up with all of your content?
2: Yes, thank you so much for having me on the show. I really enjoyed this. Um, so people can follow me at the Real Deal W D A on all platforms. That's the Real Deal W as in whiskey, D as in Delta, A as in Alpha on all social media platforms. And please subscribe to the podcast The Real Deal with Damian Adams and the Third and Three Podcast. You can hear all my commentary on there and yell at me if you want to, or agree with me. You <laughs> might do both. So go ahead and check those out.
1: I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much. Dane time. Appreciate you coming on. I'm sure you get that all the time. And I think it's
2: hilarious, but
1: (laughs) 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 thank you so much for joining us here on locked on wizards. And thank you all for tuning into another edition. Again, we've got game seven, Friday night, Raptors Celtics. I'm excited for it. I know you guys are all excited for it as well. And we will be back on locked on wizards on Monday for the next edition of the show. So hit that subscribe button to keep up with all we've got going on. I'm your host, Renee Washington. Have a good weekend, and I'll see you on Monday. Washington out.
0: Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.